invite you this morning to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, we have been going through the book of Ephesians the last uh, several weeks, about a handful of weeks now, and uh, or since the beginning of January, I should say, and so uh, we have been trying to go step by step, verse by verse through this book. Our title of our message through the entire book of Ephesians is called Identified. And um, we are seeing of how we are identified in Christ has been our really our theme and and what we have seen so much in the first chapter of Ephesians. And last week we got into continuing to see ourselves identified in a Christ uh, about just seeing of how the Lord has taken us from a place of being dead in our sins and trespasses. And he has made us new in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has raised us up together in him. And so we're very thankful for what the Lord has done and wants to continue to do in and through our lives. This morning, we will, the title of our message specifically for these verses is uh, the New Covenant. On Sunday evenings, we've been going, Sunday evenings, we've been doing uh, our Bible study. Our, uh, our community groups, small groups, what have you, and I've been teaching the older kids. And a lot of times with the older kids, I will say to them many times, if I'll tell them, you do know the things that I'm kind of telling you right now, I feel like most of the adults in church on Sunday morning do not have a grasp and an understanding of the things that I'm telling you. Basic things. I, I, I tell them constantly, the, and the, what we've been really focusing on on Sunday nights is not to be scared of this book. And I believe many Christians, I believe many church attenders are terrified of this book. Uh, and I want them to be familiar with it. So we've been looking at the different books of the Bible and how they're grouped together. And uh, we've been going, like I said, been going through those things. And then we even got a little bit more basic than that, is that we talked about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And how it could also be related, instead of New Testament and Old Testament, of Old Covenant, as Hebrews tells us, and the New Covenant. And I explained to them the Old Covenant was just simply a picture of, of what was to come. The Old Testament, if you remember, many people in church look at the Old Testament and they just do not understand why would you be bringing an innocent lamb to church on Saturday for them and lay it at the altar and that poor innocent lamb blood's that innocent lamb's blood would be shed because of something that you did. Now, if we literally did that this morning, I think we would have the kids scared out of their minds and everybody running out of here and they would be you would go through town and we would be known as the church, maybe not the church that handles snakes, but the church that uh, puts animals, innocent animals on the altar and sheds the blood. And so uh, I was telling them, I said this, if you remember, even a year ago in Bartrellis, I had showed them a picture of someone and the picture last week. Uh, was a picture of none other than Mr. Josh Neal, right, boys? It was Mr. Josh, and it was Ainsley. Why those two in her picture? Why would Ainsley want to take a picture with him? I don't know. But anyway, it was Josh Neal and Ainsley in a picture. 
And I looked at them, including Levi was part of that group, and I said, who is this? And they said, Josh Neal and Ainsley. And I said, no, it's not. They said, yes, it is. We could see it's Josh Neal and it's Ainsley. And I said, no, it's not. And they said, oh, it's a picture of them. And I said, there you go. The Old Testament was a picture of what was to come. The fulfillment of the Old Testament was Jesus Christ in the flesh died on the cross for our sins. And we should be more in tears or more uh, at a place of, of just uh, of insanity and, and craziness by talking about laying an innocent lamb on the altar. But rather, we've laid innocent Jesus on the cross for our sins. And that is the New Testament. The New Testament is the new covenant is no longer for innocent lambs being slain, but for the lamb that was slain in the New Testament. And so he's telling us here in these verses, you today have a new covenant. It's no longer with the innocent uh, slaying of innocent bulls and rams, the Bible tells us, but now of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how the only way that you and I can experience salvation is through the new covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is what we'll see this morning. If you have a bulletin, the back of the bulletin has the three points. But I hope you can follow along on these simple three points that I have for us for these three verses. Now, if you say, okay, only three verses, uh, maybe we'll get out of here in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, just keep believing that, all right? All right? And, uh, and, and so anyway, we'll, we'll hopefully... And I said this to you last week, if you listen fast, then we'll, I'll preach fast, okay? And so make sure you stay with me this morning. We're going to look at some very key things. And listen, I believe the Lord's already, I know this, the Lord is already moving and working among us this morning. So I want you to just hang in there. I don't know how many hours there are in a week, but there is, there is uh, and, uh, probably my son will yell it out and tell me, but uh, there's a lot of hours in the week. And for us to really just kind of settle in on these next 30 minutes for I believe it could be life changing for us if we could even just grasp these three verses this morning. So let's, let's look at verse 11. That's Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know if I made that very clear, but Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 11. And the first point we'll look at is a sign. S-I-G-N. A sign that God gives. It says in verse 11, it says, therefore, remember that you. He kind of turns the attention where he was talking to the entire church of this Ephesus, this group of believers, and it was mixed up of Gentiles and of Jews. These Jews, of course, knew very, very clear and very well of the Old Testament and all the rules and regulations and that picture that God was talking about, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Jews understood those things, but the Jews were kind of part of that in crowd that they should have understood who Jesus was because they had a special covenant going back to Abraham. But he kind of turns the attention to the rest of the Gentiles, the people that were in that congregation, which really and truly gets it a little, even a little bit more personal to you and I because we were Gentiles. We were not part of that elect group as Jewish people. And in, in verse 11, he says, because of all of these things that Jesus Christ has done for us, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uh, uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. He's telling you, do not forget that you were once as Gentiles, people who were outsiders. 
and then now you have been brought in. And so the reason I named this the sign, a sign for us, is because it's like a birthmark. It's like a birthmark. I, I think about your twin boys. I'm not even going to say your name. Uh, but I think about your twin boys, Case and Riggs. And, you know, I would step out on a limb here. Thank the Lord that one of them has the birthmark. Because they would probably, I'm sure, they would have gotten confused by now, right? I'm sure. And if you want to know who Case is, just raise up the back leg, right, of his right side, and you'll see that little birthmark. And it makes a difference of who the twin boys are because Case has the birthmark. And there's, there's a sign there. There's something there to show you that he's Case. And by the other mark not being there on Riggs, it lets you know that he's Riggs. And so for us, when we look at this verse 11, we are reminded. Paul brings us back all the way back to the book of Genesis. And he says, you remember the time where it was just wickedness after even after the flood. People after the flood were on, in one language and they started to build the Tower of Babel. They started to just say, you know what, in us, we could be great. And God said no, and he destroys the Tower of Babel, and he spreads out the people throughout all the land. And then God chooses this one man. He taps him on the shoulder, basically, and he says to Abram at that time, he says, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he goes, in a way for me to show that you're mine, this sign is going to be because of your male, your males are going to be circumcised. That is going to tell the difference between the Jews, the people who are of Abraham's seed, and the people who are not of Abraham's seed. The people who are of the covenant of God, and the people who are not of the covenant of God. And so he tells us here, he says, do not forget that you were part of the outsiders. Each and every one of us. I don't care if you were raised in church like I was. I think that's some of the hardest people to be a, a Christian. They should be a Christian. They should understand the things of God if they were instructed correctly in their life. But many of us had a hard time understanding what religion was versus what a relationship with God was. And so it tells us that do not forget that you were outsiders. I don't care if you were raised in church. I don't care if you spent time just doing your own thing for X amount of years. And finally, the Lord revealed himself to you. And it was a long period of time before you came to understand and see who the Lord was. He says that no matter what, all of us were outsiders. All of us were like the Gentile people uh, in, the, in the Old Testament that were looking in on the people of God. And guess what? Those people could have chosen to be Jews. God had a plan for them if they, if, if they were on the outside looking in. An example of this, if you remember, was Rahab. Rahab, when the children of Israel were going into Jericho, Rahab uh, did not know, she only had heard of the things of God. He, he, she heard of how their God was powerful and destroying everybody else in the way. And she says, when you come and when your God has the victory over this great, beautiful place of Jericho, remember me and my family. And they said, absolutely. And her faith in who that God was saved her and brought her in. And so in verse 11, he tells, you, uh, tells us again, do not forget that you were outsiders 
And then now you have been brought in. The book of Colossians tells us that we're no longer of the circumcision of made with hands, but now of the heart. No longer with hands as far as medically what's done, but now he's talking about something that happens that you can't physically put your hands on, but that it happens on the heart of mankind. I want to give us... And I don't have it, so you'll be able to test your speed. But uh, I don't have it marked. But uh, if you would turn to uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, if you can get there real quick. I was going to say you could kind of race me. Everybody with me all right this morning? All right, you're with me? All right. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 25, it gives us a great picture of this. It gives us a good understanding of what he's talking about here. He says in uh, Ezekiel 36, 25, and going down to 27, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. God says, I'm going to do this great work in you. I'm going to clean you up. And this is what I'm going to do besides removing all the junk and the garbage in your life. He says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within inside of you. He says, I will take your heart of stone out of your flesh. That heart of stone had no life. The reason that I want to talk to someone about a relationship with God and the only reason I should have hope in this world that has no hope is because the only way that I can get through this life is because God removed my heart of stone that has no understanding and has no knowledge. It has no spiritual wisdom in it. It's me going in my own power and in my own might and I keep falling miserably, miserably short. I cannot be the husband that I need to be. I cannot be the friend that I need to be. I cannot be the father that I need to be. I will always always fall miserably short. And ultimately, even though those things are important to me, ultimately, I will never be the son that God has set out for me to be if I don't, if I cannot please him, because I can't do it, the Bible tells me, in the flesh. It's not possible. He says, I will put a new heart that take out that heart of stone and I will put a new heart in you and I will give you a heart of flesh. What he's talking about here, a heart that has life, a heart that is is beating for the Lord, a heart that you could really understand and see. It's no longer that hard stone, but now it is a flesh that is living and the Lord is controlling. In verse 27, he says, with that flesh, I will put my spirit within it. And cause you, I will show you, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and I will keep my judgments and you will keep my judgments and do them. He's saying, listen, it's no longer going to be on you. I'm going to cause you to do this when I put that new heart and that new flesh inside of you. I will give you my spirit and now you'll be able to walk as we turn back to the book of Ephesians. He tells us really clearly here, do not forget where you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You had a heart of stone that could not please anything but yourself and you were with that heart of stone was was really knocking people over and it was really not allowing you to move and move forward in your walk with the Lord at all. You were dead in your trespasses and sin and God said Saved you, he cleansed you, he put a new f- a heart of flesh in you where you could understand what God wants you to do and he will cause you to do those things, he tells us. The first thing is that sign. He's telling us really clear this morning. And he's asking you this, and I'm asking you this question. 
Has there ever been a time in your life where there has, that God has shown you your need for a Savior and you have cried out to Him? That God has, you know, there's, there's, I believe, it's easy for me to tell you my testimony, and I told this to Brother Jake this week, we were having this conversation. Uh, it's easy for me to try to put you in my salvation box of saying this is the way that it should be and tell you my experience. And that may be your experience as well coming to the Lord. It may be over a period of time where you have seen the Lord, understood a little bit more, understood a little bit more, and you have really placed your faith and trust in the Lord and you're walking with Him and it doesn't look as traditional as some others. And I believe that can happen in a person's life. But ultimately there's a time. There's a time if you do know the Lord, that there's a transformation that has happened in your life. And I ask you this morning, I sure hope and pray that you know when that time was that there's been a transformation. He calls it in John, Jesus from his own words, John chapter 3, he says you'll be born again. Nicodemus could not comprehend. Guess what? Because he had a heart of stone. He could not comprehend what was Jesus talking about. When Jesus says, you will know you won't enter into your mother's womb for a second time. How? Why would you even ask a silly question like that, Nicodemus? He says, but no, you'll be born of the spirit and of the water. You'll be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I ask you this morning, I hope and pray you have that sign. If not, I pray today you will ask the Lord to save you and to come in your heart and life and to change you. From the inside out. That was the first point with our sign. Let's look at our second point this morning. If you're still with me, say uh huh. Uh -huh. All right, there we go. Verse 12 tells us we are part of this society. We're part of this new family he's going to talk to us about this morning. Verse 12, he says, of this new covenant, he says, that at that time you were without Christ. Let's not forget that. You were aliens, you were outsiders from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant. Of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's telling us right now, let's not forget. Let's not forget where you were, because I think that's where we find ourselves. One of the things that I wrote down this week, through a message that I was listening to, and it really grabbed the hold of me, and I just wanted to write it down, it was, do we understand that God has something for us to do today? Do we go through our lives like that? That God has something for us to do today. For him. And a lot of times we're just so going about our own way and our own, you know, going about our own business that we fail to understand. And what this verse is telling us here is that. Let me give you this example. My dad, I, I rarely, rarely speak about this because it really wasn't a huge issue or topic. We kind of even joked about it. My dad spent three and a half years in federal prison when it was at LCIS at Phelps. And uh, he spent three and a half years. That's what originally in 1976 got us to this area. And so uh, we joked because my dad actually played football there and we had a picture of him. Uh, they had a league in the prison. And uh, Yep. And so anyway, well, I think there was a movie, right? But he, he was the real life version of that. And, um, and so anyway, we always refer to that as my dad's college years. If you're around my family, 
we'll say uh, that's where daddy played college football at and that's where he played and and I joke you know why because that was the beginning with a where over 40 years ago because you know there's a lot of people that come out of prison and in prison that say they're they're a new person well 40 years later he's still a new person because the Lord saved him while he was in prison so I don't mind joking about that glorious place that I live in my dad's college town, right? <laughs> right next to his college campus. And so uh, I do not want to bring my kids to that college campus and let them walk it and say, you could be right where Papa was. But anyway, <laughs> I say that because my dad in 1976, I believe 77, he got a taste of what it was to really have salvation. To know I'm going down a path of nowhere. I have a wife. I have a son. And I am just, I'm going through this life meaninglessly. And he got a taste of salvation. I mean, seriously, I don't mean to be silly this morning, but it's a taste that was just so good on your tongue, right? I mean, it's just so good to experience the things of God. And so for me, I didn't go through all that, but I need to have the same taste. You with me this morning? If I don't, I'll miss it. I can't just be that little religious punk sitting on the front row falling asleep in church. I've got to have the taste of salvation. And then what's even difficult for me, this is where I say my, I was spoiled and my children are spoiled, but I've got to find a way as a parent to make sure in the Lord that they have that same taste of salvation. They've got to. There we go. I'll take that as an amen, Sawyer. Verse 12 says, do not forget that at that time you were without Christ. You were hopeless. And we've got to remember that. He says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You ever been in a situation where you just knew that situation was just really too good for you? Some of you guys will look at your spouse and say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Some of you, maybe it's a situation in career. You shouldn't be where you are right now. And God has just so blessed you. Maybe there's something like that. And you know what? Those people, if they have that on the forefront of their mind, if they have that on the forefront of their mind, will be the best husband, will be the best worker, because the level of appreciation is greater. And so for us to know to go throughout our day and do what God is wanting us to do, because our level of appreciation should be great. That taste needs to constantly be on our, on our tongue, and it needs to be on the forefront of our minds each and every day. And that's what Paul's telling them right here. Do not forget that you're part of this family. You had no hope. You were without God. Now you're part of this great society. You're part of this great brotherhood, this sisterhood in the Lord. You're part of this family. You have been brought in. You have that special sign on your heart from God. You're part of this family. Let's move on to verse 13. Verse 13, he says, in this new covenant, he said, you were outsiders. You don't need to forget about that. And in verse 13, he says, but now, and I wrote down this as far as for that but now, what he does here which is different than the sign. The sign was, was a birthmark. But what he does on this kind of contract, 
that he has between you and I and between us and mankind is that he signs his name. There's a signature there, part of this new covenant in verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, that's where the shout is. I, I, there's a preacher that I'll enjoy hearing, listening to. He's from Chicago, from, the, from right, next to, right next door to uh, the Chicago White Sox Stadium. And he always, when he gets to those parts, he just kind of stops. You know those black preachers, right? Just kind of, you missed your amen right there. All right? I know we're in a predominantly white church. You missed your amen right there. He says, you were without hope, you were without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, it's different. You. He says, you were once far off and have been brought near by the blood of, of Christ. He says God has written his name at the end of it. It's been blood signed. It's because of that innocent lamb was paid on your behalf. And he says, here you are. Don't forget. Listen, if we look, look, sometimes when we get into this message and you just look at me and you're like, you know, and if you know me a little bit, like I'm a pretty silly guy. I'm very, very silly. Uh, I need to say that again. I'm a pretty silly guy. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Some people that know me. And sometimes when I'm in this message, I'm so passionate about what we're talking about, and it could seem a little gloomy. And when we walk out these doors, if we could just get a small glimpse of what we're talking about, that, that should bring a place of, this, uh, you know, a, a place of pressure on you or a place of despair but it, I hope that it would bring some excitement and joy and spring in your step because you know what? I don't, I don't have to live in this place of my own sin and a place that gets me nowhere and a place of, as it tells us in verse 12, a place of no, help, of no hope and going through this world without God. And we could be in a place of now, but now in Christ Jesus, he has brought us in. He has brought us near. That nearness that we have to God. And I pray this morning that, number one, you have that sign on your heart that you know that you are a different person in Christ and that you don't forget it. And that also that now you can live freely in the things of God. He tells us again in verse 13. Let's look at it just again, that signature. He says that he has brought you near by the blood of Christ. Let's look at Colossians chapter one. It's just a couple page over over to our right uh, from where we just were. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, what he's talking about here is really reconciliation. We understand when we get into this world that we begin to do our own thing. God tells us that he knows us in the womb. He knows us in the womb, that he knows us by name, like he's communicating. He's communicating with, with, with us as little children, as little babies. And I believe that before that really sin just settles in, I believe God has a, a relationship with us. But then we start to go our own way. We start to make our own choices and sin gets in the way and we break that relationship between us and God. And so what is God trying to do now? God is trying to show his love toward us that while we were sinners, that he had died for us and he's wanting to bring us back. See, a lot of times we talk about bringing back. We're talking about people getting to the point of saying that I was a Christian and I was doing the things of God and then I walked away for a little bit and I came back. No, God's talking about reconciliation when you broke that 
sin. Innocent, old little old Garen at eight years old, and, and I was seven and a half years old. I was a sinner. I was bound for hell because I was understanding the things of God. I was understanding that uh, my sin was sin against holy God, and that I needed to trust in the Lord and, and the Lord for salvation in my life. And so he's talking about bringing us back in that right relationship with him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says, for, if it, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him. Listen, we can get into a debate talking about where's our part in salvation and what God's part is. Our part in salvation, guess what it is? Surrender. It ain't much. If you want to... If you want to hang your hat on that, as far as what you've done in salvation, as far as doing something, because the Bible tells us it's not by works, because if, if it is by works, then any man's going to boast. I can say, I've done these things to earn my good graces with God. God says, that ain't salvation. It ain't much. It's surrender. But you look at that in verse 20. It says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether, uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Let's continue on, verse 21. And you who were once alienated and in enemies in, the, in your mind by wicked, wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That is what he's wanting to do. He is wanting us not to live in this place of just having salvation, but to be a people that are holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight. In verse 23, it says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of your of the of the of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. And Paul's saying, listen, this is where you were. This is what's this is what has happened to you and he's telling us it's not for us to stay there but for us to move on now look i think it was last night and i'm done last night it really hit me because well actually this week it came up in conversation but and i want to say a little funny because lisa's in the nursery now hopefully you won't tell her and i won't get in trouble we're we're so patient in our remodel of our little farmhouse. Yeah, right. All right. And I had an idea. I had my own idea. And I stood on it. And I said, you know what? Let's do this in the remodel of our bathroom. We need to do this, this, and this. And she, she kind of politely, very, a little sarcastically, said, uh, where were you whenever I decided about this living room? Where were you whenever I decided, I mean, I was right there, but I wasn't the one making the decisions. Where were you when we did the utility room? Where were you when we did Lydia's room? Where were you when we did the kitchen? And I had all these thoughts, and they came about. Where were you? And I said, oh, you, you sound like Jesus. You sound like God. Because, listen, out of all the things that we said this morning, which I think are very, very, very real and true, and I think they're heaven and hell issues in our life. Some of you, you say, you know what, I've kind of knocked it out of the park when it comes to those things that we looked at it in Ephesians chapter 2. I know I have a relationship with God. I'm trying to remind myself daily of these things, and I'm 
moving on in the Lord. We go through circumstances, and I think this may help the rest of you, is that we go through life sometimes, and hard times begin to come, because they will. They will, especially as a Christian. You know, there's a lot of, whenever we step into this place of faith, and we start to understand what real problems and real issues are. And when God does that, you know why he does that? He does that to grow our faith, to trust him even more. And God, as it said in that song earlier that we sang, he's not out, he's not against you. He's for you as a believer. He doesn't put an obstacle in your way for you to stumble and fall. He puts an obstacle in your way to look to him, to trust him. That's why he does it. And so for us, when we go through this stuff, and I just this week I was reminded of how we stepped out. I should say my family and Jake's family, we were talking about this this week, and very thankful of how we stepped out to start this church. And when you step out with something like that in faith, uh, it better be God saying it to you or uh, are you really going to have a lot of pressure on you? But when God tells you to do it, you step out in that faith because God is saying to do it and you trust him. Now, through this past year, that faith was tested. That faith was tested. And I believe today I'm stronger because of the testing of the faith this past year. And so as we step into our relationship with the Lord and tough times are going to happen. And I'm telling you what, this is the reason I want you to be a part of this church. Because I can name a few people in here when tough times are going to come. My heart grieves. As, as a mother grieves for a child that is going through difficult times. And you may be able to experience that at another church, and I thank the Lord for that church. I believe that'll happen at other churches. But I want you to be a part of here because we love you and we care for you, and I want all of us to be able to care for each other. But we step out, don't we? We step out and bad things start to happen, and we start to get down, and we start to get discouraged, and we start to just kind of look to God like, God, what are you up to? And asking God to kind of explain himself. And it reminds me of what Lisa told me, where were you? And in Job chapter 38, Jesus kind of says, he says the same thing, or God does. He tells Job, and Job's complaining to God about the situation that he's in. Job chapter 38, you can go back and look at it, verse 4, it says, Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? And he says in a place of exclamation, Surely you know, surely you know the dimensions and the measurements of this world. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? He asked him. Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all of, the, all of the sons of God shouted for joy, and he just continues on. He's just like, where were you, Job? 
You're smarter than God. And so I pray today, guys, I pray today that we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ with our, with our lives, that we have placed our faith and trust in him. I pray that we never forget of where God has taken us and where God has put us in this new covenant. And then, like I said, finally, that we would begin to really walk in that truth and that in this place that we would trust God. God has already done so much. He's done everything in salvation. Do you think that he could handle your daily walk? That's the reason I read that verse in Job. I think he has it all together in his hands. I think he knows what he's doing. Have you ever studied our own body, how complicated it is? And how one little thing out of place could really mess up the whole body? God put that together. Or they tell us if, if, if the sun was just a little bit closer to us, that we would, we would burn up. If it was a little bit further, that we would freeze up. But that he put it perfectly there in place. I think God could handle the situations and the storms and the issues that are in our life today. I pray we trust him. I pray, I pray if you've never experienced a relationship with the Lord, you trust him. And I pray if you have trusted him in salvation, that you would continue to trust him this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you for what you are doing and speaking to our hearts and lives today. I pray that you would continue to do so uh, during this time of response, Lord. Uh, I, I pray, Lord God, through this time, as just even as I'm up here in front, that if someone has not trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would come. They would make that known, even to me this morning, to know that they've prayed or that they have questions about what it is to uh, pray and receive you uh, as their Savior this morning, Lord God. And I pray for the Christians this morning, as they're dealing with things in their life, that we would not forget, Lord God, of what you have done for us and that we will never lose that taste in our mouth. But, Lord God, that we would understand that you are up to something, that you're wanting to do things in our life each and every day, Lord God, and that we're trusting you in the process. Again, Lord God, we love you and we praise you. Be with this time of response. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand.